lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand. Here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast, Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And of course, each and every one of you, let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the program, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And you can also like Steve Dace on MeWe, Gab, and Parlor. Uh, if and when it returns. You can get censored clips of the program over at youtube.com slash Steve Dace, or you can get clips over at rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. We have a jam-packed show lined up for you today coming up at the bottom of the hour. You know, we have talked a lot over the last few years about cults, the rise of cults in America. We've talked about how we've seen that within the political, uh, the socio-cultural realm how what is often referred to as progressivism is really a spirit of the age cult. We've talked about political cults, uh, both that you see in both political parties at times, uh, where people suspend their identities, suspend what they know to be true in order to conform to the groupthink. Um, we have the Branch Covidian cult. We have an entire chapter devoted to them uh, here in our best-selling book, Fauci and Bargain. So HBO Max has released a four-part documentary on what it describes as the cult of cults. That's the Hale-Bopp cult from the late 1990s. And I thought it was time to watch this documentary and see if it tells us anything about the spirit of the age that we're up against. And we're going to discuss that at the bottom of the hour here for Pop Culture Tuesday when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. Next hour, I mentioned Fauci and Bargain. We'll continue our sweep through that book with fake news or not. That's coming up next hour of the program. Former U.S. Senator Jim DeMint will be joining us. He's got a new book out as well. We'll get his take on the issues of the day. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a story I've been avoiding like the plank. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has officially scheduled a vote for Wednesday to relieve Republican House Conference Chair Liz Cheney of Wyoming from her leadership position. This follows months of turmoil surrounding Cheney's vote to impeach President Trump following the events at the Capitol on January 6th. The Wyoming GOP officially censured her back in February. McCarthy said over the weekend that he supports filling Cheney's role with another other Republicrat, Elise Stefanik of New York. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst says the ouster of Cheney is akin to quote-unquote cancel culture. Utah Senator Mitt Romney warned, quote, expelling Liz Cheney from leadership won't gain the GOP one additional voter, but it will cost us quite a few. In other dispatches from the swamp, Susan Hennessy is the latest hire at the Department of Justice. The Kavanaugh rape truther and the Steele dossier P-tape truther, who falsely claimed the Carter Page Russian collusion FISAs were legal and accurate, is now in charge of the National Security Division at the DOJ. Gas stations along the southeastern seaboard are experiencing a shortage in gasoline after a group of hackers infiltrated the Colonial Oil Pipeline last week and held it with ransomware. The pipeline is the largest in the U.S., carrying 100 million gallons of fuel from Texas to New Jersey each day. Russian hackers are believed to be the ones behind the cyber attack 
demanding payment before they give control back to the company. White House officials said this regarding the decision about whether or not to pay the ransom. Have you tried turning it off and on again? So typically that is a private sector decision, and the administration has not offered further advice at this time. Checking in on the teachers' unions, American Federation of Teachers head honcho Randy Weingarten refuses to commit to a full reopening of schools by the fall. Are you going to have everyone back in September, 100% in class five days a week? I hope so. Daily Defiance, we head to our home state of Iowa, where Andy called out parents in his local school district to defy his school board's continued punting on the issue of masks and other mitigation strategies in schools. Parents, I am here tonight to try and persuade you to do something. Because let's be honest, it has been a year and the only thing this board has demonstrated is reliably capable of doing is outsourcing every decision they make to unelected bureaucrats at the county, state, and federal level. So the time is now for each parent to take back the authority that is rightfully ours. You do not need to ask for permission. You do not need to be a doctor or an epidemiologist or a public health specialist. You do not need to have any official titles or credentials after your names. Because when it comes to your child, the only three letters that matter are M-O-M and D-A-D. Those three magic letters make you the subject matter expert and the only person qualified to decide what is best for your child and your child alone. If you as a parent think the best thing for your child is is to have their mouth and nose obstructed with a bacteria-infested rag for eight hours a day, then you should keep sending your kid to school with a mask on. If you as a parent think the best thing for your child is to not have their mouth and nose obstructed with a bacteria-infested rag for eight hours a day, then you should stop sending your kid to school with a mask on now. And now is the part of the show where we talk about ventilators. 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 We have so many ventilators. This story comes to us from WPLG-TV in Miami. Constant stream of waste, mattresses, tires, and at the top of Trash Mountain... This is what's up. All these... Ventilators. A resident taking garbage to the South Dade landfill last week, stunned to see hundreds of brand new wrapped medical ventilators. ventilators dumped as bulky trash. This is what is going on. Brand new. Brand new. They tell us here that what's dumped is usually plowed under within a day, so those ventilators are probably gone. Checking in on the dude who thinks he's a woman who also thinks that a border is an open door. California's labor force includes one point. 75 million undocumented immigrants. Should they have a path to citizenship? I would hope so. The land of Greta Thunberg continues to follow the science better than many places here in America. Perhaps the most prominent hospital, thinks Sweden's version of the Mayo Clinic, has halted the use of puberty blockers in gender-confused youth. Doctors at Karolinska University Hospital said the use of drugs to block puberty in youth with gender dysphoria carry too many long-term consequences to be considered a rational treatment for dysphoria. And finally, the Michigan GOP released this helpful PSA. Here in Michigan, we sacrifice and do the right thing for our fellow Michiganders. When Governor Whitmer mandated we cancel vacations and weddings to help stop COVID-19, we did it. When forced to visit our loved ones through glass windows, as hard as it was, we listened. If, however, you are the governor and you really want to see your family in Florida, because we all miss our families, then go ahead. And if you get caught, just lie. If the governor says no spring break this year, then that goes for all of us. Except, of course, if you are the person in the governor's office who is in charge of vaccine distribution and needing a girl's trip to Florida 
then have a good time. Don't worry about failing to fill out the state's vaccine order, missing the deadline to get an additional 360,000 doses during a massive COVID surge. Your tan will be on point this summer. And as much as we all want to get a condo in sunny Gulf Shores, Alabama, we should heed Whitmer's advice. Unless you're her public health director, then bon voyage. Remember, Michigan, we are all in this together. We play by the rules. Unless you're Governor Whitmer or work for Whitmer. And in that case, play by your own rules. Pure hypocrisy. Pure Whitmer. And that's what happened while we were away. So, I mean, I just hammered the Michigan Republican Party over the last couple of weeks on this show. That, folks, that's how it's done, though. I mean, I I have used, for those of you that don't live in Michigan, you don't know beyond just how ruthlessly accurate the ad is, but it's presence, presentation is based off of Michigan has been doing for years, going back to when I lived there, has been doing these pure Michigan ads to promote the state. And what they did is they took the music. I mean, it's not Jeff Daniels' voice, obviously. He's a big lib. But they took the music, the approach, the tone, the messaging, even the graphic package at the end. So every, when every Michigander hears this ad... And they, they, they will know what it is. I mean, this runs on, has been running on TV in Michigan for years. To turn that around, now I used to do this all the time when I was a local show. I would take local commercials from left-wing groups. And like we used to do this when Planned Parenthood. They, they bought an ad schedule in my show. I don't know, maybe they said too much money or something. And so we wrote their own ad. We took the ad. No one told me if I could do this or not. I just did it. We took the ad, the music, everything. And I had my producer at the time, just we just told the truth about what Planned Parenthood is, how racist they are, what they do. Uh, and so, and then we would run it in the break before Planned Parenthood's ad would show up. So you would not know, is that their ad or is it our PSA? That is extremely well done. Uh, and so that is the first step to reawakening whatever is left of the Republican Party in the state of Michigan. At the very least, your meme game, your branding game, whoever's working over there yeah, in that uh, corner of the Michigan GOP is awake and thriving because that is a devastating ad. That is very well done. Aaron's montage brought to you by Rough Greens. You've been hearing me talk about Rough Greens as a much needed supplement for your puppy. Like you and I need supplements today because all that good stuff, those vitamins, minerals, nutrients are stripped out of our food when it leaves the factory and heads to the store. That's why we buy supplements to put all that good stuff right back in. Same thing happens to the pet's food as well. And you might be wondering though, will my dog still like his food if I put that powder in with his food? Now our dog Cap loves it, but... Maybe we'll find out if yours does. Um, how about we just give you the bag for free? That first 14-day jumpstart bag, we'll now give it to you for nothing. You'll just pay for the shipping. And just find out for just a couple of dollars whether or not your dog likes Rough Greens. That's how confident we are in this product. If you want to give it a shot, just go to roughgreens.com to get the free 14-day jumpstart bag. Again, you just pay for the shipping. 
roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Last night on his top-rated program, Tucker Carlson did a monologue connecting some dots between Anthony Fauci and the lab in Wuhan and the origins of coronavirus. In our overtime today, we are going to discuss in detail, we're going to go through that video in real time and discuss it in detail on the program. It's just not something with the um, the constraints of the show clock we have in the Daily Show. We can make it work here. So we're going to do it in the overtime today for Blaze TV subscribers, which means this is an excellent day. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, this is an excellent day for you to rectify that situation. We'll even give you a discount when you go to blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you that already have subscribed, we will record that right after today's live show and then post it for you later today. Same place, blazetv.com slash dace. You know, looking at those lines at the gas station, and Aaron had these highlighted as part of the pipeline hack in his montage today. Let's turn our attention to what Aaron highlighted for us. And somebody sent me a direct message recently that said the the point of conservative activism should be policy and not personalities, to which I agree, which is why, after he got elected, I just wiped the the slate clean of my Trump skepticism and said, we'll just begin scrutinizing this now. This is a new day. He's president, and we'll just see how it goes, and we'll call balls and strikes. There were plenty of days that his persona frustrated me beyond frustrated me it it got frankly to the point that i i just on a daily basis couldn't trust myself to objectively analyze the situation if i fixated on what he said on camera or on social media so i often just had to remove myself from it and unless he was in a somber occasion like a a joint session of congress for example where I knew it was going to be on a script, then I would watch, and I thought he did a great job. But whenever I, like the rally talks and stuff like that, like, I, I don't know if you guys ever did. I, I just, if, if I watched those things, they would annoy the living hell out of me. And I, would, I wouldn't be able to maintain what I think is the right standard that ultimately matters, right? That, that's what ultimately matters. Not to mention, let's have a little self-awareness. There may be aspects of my own personality that get in the way for some people, uh, of my ability to communicate larger and more impactful truths. Is that fair? Oh, it's fair. If you recall, the angriest I've ever been on this show was after the first debate when Trump just went full. Yes. Non. Yeah. Uh, full douche. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Full D-back. Yeah. Um, so we looked at as best as we could. We're still human. And we would get into the personality stuff when we thought it got in the way of public policy. But short of that, we just focused on what the policy was. And not the soap opera. It's one of the top five decisions you've ever made in your career. And if I had not done that, it probably would have ended my career looking back on it. I would have just driven myself insane, right? Because I could have never done what the Jonah Goldbergs and David French's of the world have done because I'd still be way too right wing for them. You know what I mean? So I, I, I would literally have no base of support. I would be, I would have, like them, allowed Trump to drive me insane 
while at the same time not believing that drag queen story time hour is the price of uh, is, is the blessings of liberty. So, I mean, where do you work if that's where you yeah. are? <laughs> <laughs> we'd all be <laughs> I think they would have probably hired Aaron down in Dallas by now but you and I would be SOL brother sure. all right, straight out of luck here there's okay? not a market for a moderate GOP tranny no this, thank you <laughs> thank you we'll get to that in a second too all right but just looking at these gas lines today on my Twitter feed when I got up this morning seeing them seeing them again in Aaron's montage I I just Hey, I'm, I'm glad the world is safe from the mean tweets. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I'm just, uh, we've got all out war in Israel right now. We were signing, dude, we were signing peace deals with Saudis. Okay. We're, we're barely a hundred days into operation Trojan horse. Uh, just wheel uncle Joe through the city gate, pretending he's the, uh, the, Moderate that he claimed to be in 1984. By the way, 1984, he was a big lib. We just now have moved so far to the left of as a culture. We think the stuff that Biden was saying in 84 is moderate. It's not. It's not. Okay. But just wheel the dementia riddled uh, old man through the gate. Get suburbia, suburbia to say, finally, somebody nice uh, and uh, opens the gate. Let the Trojan horse in and then out the back comes the true radicals and revolutionaries. And here we are, we have seen a, and I also say this acknowledging Trump made the worst management mistake of all time with these lockdowns last year. But if you look at his governance pre-COVID compared to where we are right now, let's just, let's, let, in fact, let's give the entire, I, I don't agree with this, but in the interest of mercy triumphing over judgment, let's just give the Biden administration a complete pass for the interest of this assessment on the COVID issue and just say they had to hit the ground running on this and they're making it up as they go along in real time. They don't deserve that. They somehow managed, you know, we were joking about the GOP found a way to downgrade from Liz Cheney. Okay. In terms of issues, they, they found a way to find a worse CDC director than the ridiculous Robert Redfield. Remember how, how many shows did I do? crushing him a year ago guys i mean he looks like albert schweitzer right now okay he's alexander fleming right now guys okay but let's give him a break we we shouldn't okay but i'm just going to do that just to focus on every other issue energy worse got gas last night i'm paying three dollars a gallon in iowa Energy worse, budget worse, deficit worse. And do we are running some honking deficits in the Trump years? And it's it's already worse. It's already worse. Gender worse, border worse. Yeah, border. Yes. Everything's everything is worse. Everything is worse. Seeing the gas lines again, it's the old saying, history doesn't just repeat, it rhymes. We're getting a very peanut far- farmer Jimmy Carter aura sent. Scent of a Carter. If NFL Films did a movie highlight the first year of the Biden administration, John Facenda would be narrating Scent of a Carter. It certainly looks like things I I barely remember from when I was a little kid. A really little kid. Tomorrow we're going to be 
rescuing uh, U.S. diplomats off the roof with helicopters <laughs> in some nation. Failing to do so, but failing, failing to rescue them. You mean, yes. I mean, this is just unbelievable how fast this has gone. How fast the downturn is on everything, on everything. And I get it, man. I get it. His personality is exhausting. I get it. Has the media gotten better since he went away? It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse, guys. It's gotten worse somehow. It's not a flaw, though. No. It's a feature. And, you know, I have no idea. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, politicians we hold in high regard of previous eras before we had a mass media. Who knows what their behavior was like all day long? We have no idea. Who knows what Thomas Jefferson would have done with a Twitter account? I, I, I don't have a clue. Well, Stevie would have been highly eloquent. I don't know. Maybe was he just that way? Because those were the only ways to communicate back then. How do we know Thomas Edison, Thomas Jefferson wouldn't have fired off a Jane, you ignorant slut to John Adams at some point? I mean, we don't know that. But we, I think we have learned this. Nothing matters more than policy does. Nothing. And there isn't a close second. Nothing matters more. Is it personality or policy? It's not even close. It's policy. And if we're so far gone as a country that I would rather have, and it's not even, it's one thing if I'm personally invested in the ideology. I'm going to let that slide too. Again, we'll practice a little self-awareness. Has there been times in the history of Christendom that we have held on to things we knew were not true or we knew were failures just because the church didn't want to admit or somebody representing the church did not want to admit they were wrong? Have, have we any examples of that in the 2,000-year history of Christendom? Feet of clay just like everybody that's, else. That's why we've had splinters and schisms and Avignon papacies and reformations. There's, there, there is no one on either side of the spiritual divide who can claim no clan can claim they are completely and wholly sinless when it comes to this level of tribalism we all have read in the ledger so i will even let go of i'll even let go the people who are the true believers in this stuff i'll even let you go you're in a cult poop happens Think of the amount of people, if you live in the suburbs and exurbs where all three of us live. Think of the amount of people we could personally conjure up in our memory banks right now. And all of you that live in those kinds of suburbs and exurbs in our audience could do the same thing. People you know don't believe in this kind of stuff. They may not be hardcore right winger, but you know they ain't down to clown with whatever the Sam Hill is going on in this country right now. This clown show. Just a systemic level of failure Jimmy Carter impersonation. You know they're not down with that. And yet we all know people, don't we, that affirmatively voted for this because they legitimately thought that the trade-off of, of the soap opera nonsense 
going away was worth this risk. That, to me, will make you feel real hopeless about the future real quick-like. It's one thing for people to be indoctrinated into an ideology and not want to give it up, even despite evidence of its failure, evidence of its inadequacy. It's another thing for people to affirmatively vote for things they, they really don't believe in, or at the very least are dubious of, just because they want things to be nice. What do you do with that? Lose. That's what you do with that. Lose. Speaking of, nothing's more important than policy. Can we stop this now? Are we done here? Oh, I'm done with it. But until each and every last one of you, I don't believe that we can have a zero-sum game with a lot of things. We have to account for human nature to some degree, right? On this one, though, zero tolerance policy. We will have zero COVID within this audience on the Bruce Jenner front. Several of you have emailed me or gone on my Facebook page, said you're returning my book. Any of you, any of you supporting this, please return it. My book's not for you. You deserve COVID tyranny. It's not for you. You're not worthy of my book. You're not worthy of this show. You're a moron. And you're exactly like the people we were just describing who let Uncle Joe's dementia through the city gate so that the Marxist could come out the back. First of all, the campaign is being run by a guy who got defrocked from Trump world for being a scam artist, Brad Parscale, number one. So it's a grift. Number two, the only accomplishment whatsoever that Bruce Jenner has on any claim to political fame whatsoever is defecating on his real only accomplishment as a human being ever. Once being the greatest male athlete in the world, one of them in the history of the world up until that point in time. Look at his family. Look at his life. He's failed as a man on every other systemic level. That's probably why he gave up being one. That's why this is a psychosis. We do things to harm ourselves, with med- to self-medicate. Why we call it a drug addiction. I can't stop medicating to get away, to get away from what's really going on. In my heart, mind, soul. So I cover it up with this, even though it's destroying me. That's what this is. And yet, it's not, an, it's not a large group and it ain't insignificant either. But I promise you, even if I knew it was just one of you in this audience that was going along with this, I'd still spend all of the time necessary just to boot stomp you. I'm just that kind of guy. That's what zero tolerance means. You're too stupid for this show. Don't don't watch or listen. You're too dumb. And if you have to ask, I'm talking about you. Raise your hand if you're shocked that a guy that doesn't know what gender he is doesn't also know what a border or a citizen is. Anybody? 
yeah, we're talking about you. Get the hell out of here. You don't belong here. Go tune into MSNBC or some other grifter. They're legion. We don't want you here. We don't serve your kind here. You're too dumb. Get out. The excommunications will continue until morale improves. We actually have a magisterium we believe in on this show. Yeah. And I'm appointing myself the head of it. How you like them apples? So you're gone and you're gone and you're gone. Because supporting this kind of stuff means the end of whatever is left of your country is gone. Gone. So right away, he's already in the... You want to know why your state is in the shape it's in? Republicans won like seven of the 10 presidential elections prior to the Reagan amnesty in 86. Since then, they've only gotten 40% of the popular vote in the state's presidential election, I believe twice. 40%! Amnesty destroyed your state. Destroyed it. Maybe permanently. Maybe irrevocably. And there's Bruce Jenner already out there calling for more of it. Can we stop the bearded lady act now? Or are some of you going to be the kinds of people that we just described on the other side? Holding on to what you know is wrong. What you know is a failure and always was. But you're just down to cult. If that's you, come to Papa, because I will take my belt off, and it's going to hurt you more than me. Let's get right into Pop Culture Tuesday here on the Steve Day Show. This is where... And when each week on the program, we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And we have talked a lot on this program, really for several years. We, as far as I know, I mean, hey, if someone else comes up with a great line and we're using it, I'll let you know. Like I've told you the other day, the line that we're not a country of immigrants, we're a a country of citizens. That originally came from the great one, Mark Levin. So don't don't credit me for that one. That that's his. I'm borrowing it from him. But I do think as far as we know, we were the first somewhat significant. Is it fair to call ourselves somewhat significant as a show? Is that is that fair? Oh, take as it long it. as we hedge our bets just a little bit on, okay. on some other area. Maybe I, potentially somewhat significant. Is that yeah. better? Okay. Yeah. All I heard was just significant. Wait two weeks. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Okay. Um maybe potentially somewhat significant show to start talking about leftism progressivism as a spirit of the age cult we've been talking about that for several years we talk in fauci and bargain about the branch covidian cult so when i i see in my hbo max listing i i see a documentary called the cult of cults inside hail bob i decide or heaven's gate i, I decide the same thing I, I decide you know what maybe this Maybe I'm the target audience for this. I'm going to watch. Now, when I suggested this to you, because you also have HBO Max, Todd, right? Yes. When I suggested to you the other day, let's watch this for Pop Culture Tuesday, I didn't know it was four parts. So I did have a chance. I got so engrossed in this yesterday, I, I went ahead and watched all four parts. Didn't go to bed until I got through the whole thing. I would highly recommend this if you have HBO Max. 
Uh, and the minute that it gets out for the general population beyond that platform, if you don't, I'd highly recommend watching it. It is extremely well done. Now, I want to warn you. Uh, it has a complete uh, um, hack named Reza Aslan in the in a couple of brief moments in this documentary. And he attempts to smear Christianity because that's what he does. OK, um, but and we can get into that at another time if somebody wants to raise with me what Reza Aslan says, because it's complete and total bunk. But that's not what this conversation's about. I just I just didn't want to recommend something and then you, you go and watch it and get blindsided by that. I wanted you to be aware that in the course of, of a um, almost four hour escapade, there's about a 10 minute detour where it attempts to smear Christianity. OK, so just be warned. Um, the rest of it, however, I think is extremely well done. I don't want to tell you much about what it unveils specifically about the people. Because I, I think you'd get much more of an effect finding out for yourself watching it that play that drama play itself out in real time. Okay. And it is worth watching it play out in real time for sure. But as I was watching this, I texted you guys just some some big picture observations I had about whether or not these are things that play into the times in which we live today. All right. So um, for those of you that don't remember or aren't old enough to know. Uh, it went under several different names, Heaven's Gate, Hale Bop, Doe and T, Bo and Peep. But essentially, this couple, a gay male, um, and his friend that he was never romantic with, but a female friend, a single mom, began in the 1970s forming a UFO cult. And the point of the UFO cult was, and they traveled all throughout, uh, particularly the western part of the country, and the point of the cult was that you had to evolve to what it called what they called the next level in order to be prepared for a higher form of evolution so that you could then be ushered into the kingdom of God when the aliens come and take you to a higher plane of consciousness, a higher plane of existence. And that's really at the heart of what they originally taught. It had some detours and twists and turns along the line, but that was their consistent message for going over for over 20 years, even after the female half died and then just the male half ran the thing on his own. That was the heart of their message the entire time. So I, I, I texted you guys a few points here that came up in the four part documentary. I'm just going to go through these offer very little editorial comment because a lot of it is what i put in here and then i'm going to give you guys a minute to gather your thoughts and tell me and our audience how you think this plays into the the culture we're in today all right the documentary talks about the fact educated and well-off folks were the most prone to cults in general but specifically cults like this that offered essentially a secret knowledge a new knowledge extra knowledge that came with it, meaning and purpose to their lives. Uh, this cult felt at home and operated in secret in upper crust suburbs all over the country for about 20 plus years. Uh, they spent that entire 20 plus years identifying and recruiting. They ran ads in the USA Today. 
They also um, used an amalgamation of belief systems. Very new agey, uh, but um, the male half, his father was a Presbyterian minister, so he knew how to couch some of this in biblical language. It was very reminiscent, and it even says this in the documentary. I've talked before, remember I've told you guys, what were the two best-selling nonfiction books in America in the 1970s? One was Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth. You guys remember what number two was? Uh, yes, it's just, uh, Chariots, Chariots of the Gods, of the Gods. by Eric Chariots Von Donegan. Yeah, Chariots of the Gods by Eric Von Donegan, who was a like French waiter who just quit his job one day and started traveling the world, came up with the theory that the pyramids and all these things and the Mayans and all this stuff, it came from alien technologies, wrote a, the book became a Nash, a worldwide bestseller documentaries. It's the whole thing that ancient aliens, which is the history channels entire basic, you know, programming now is all about. They were heavily influenced by this during this time period as well. Um, it was about making UFOs seem like they were salvationary. These are the constructs of our deliverance, for example, uh, to a higher plane of evolution. One of the subject matter experts used in this documentary admits that she herself belonged to a cult. But it's the cult she admits belonging to that caught my attention even more so. She says she was in a political cult called the Democratic Workers' Party, a Marxist-Leninist cult. I was fascinated they allowed that in this documentary, given the attempts it makes on a couple of mini-detours to smear Christianity. Hale-Bopp, Heaven's Gate, which is what they called the, the entrance to this cosmic consciousness. You pass through Heaven's Gate. Okay. Uh, it purposefully created a genderless group. To the point of castrations and not of the chemical variety. I won't spoil for you one of the most tragic moments in this four-part documentary associated with these castrations. I, I think you need to watch it for yourself to get the full brunt of the impact. So we're not talking puberty blockers here. Hormonal treatments. They went old school. You know what I'm saying? Numerous social science studies have shown that despite our self-pride, you know, we all have a little bit of I, uh, ye be like God, right? That original sin within us, right? But despite that, our, our native programming is to belong to and seek the approval of an identity group. Cults prey, P-R-E-Y, on people in vulnerable circumstances. So one of the things this documentary talks about coming out of the 70s, scandals, the counterculture, economic collapse, talk of America's demise, decline. This thing emerged and uh, became a national thing. I didn't know this. I mean, they got clips of Walter Cronkite, Roger Mudd, John Chancellor. They were the three big news people of the 70s doing national news stories on these on this Doe and T, these were the names they gave themselves based on the sound of music. They, they were, this was a national story. They show clips of, of newspapers all over the country doing stories on these two. They were everywhere. And then they disappeared in the 80s. Weird. In the 80s, there was more optimism, notions that America came back. 
their ranks really thinned out. They show some of their recruitment videos in the 80s and people just get up and start walking out. Wasn't much of a market for this doomsday cult in the 80s. Getting into the 90s and suddenly, particularly heading towards Y2K. Remember the panic over all of that, Todd? Yeah. Um, uh, suddenly there's a market for this all over again. Found that interesting. T, the female leader, was, remember that uh, pure Michigan hypocrisy PSA we just played? So they demanded everybody in the cult had to be cut off from their families. Every now and then, they would let you go and visit. Sometimes, though, it'd be like eight, ten years between visits. And yet, T, the female leader, was communicating with her own daughter. She was a single mom, remember? She was communicating with her daughter the entire time that this was going on. The entire time they were demanding that all of the members cut themselves off completely from their families. In fact, again, there's a scene here at the end in the final episode when this revelation is is brought to the surviving members of this cult. I don't want to spoil it. You just need to watch this on you for yourself. Okay. So those were some of the main takeaways I had watching this for nearly four hours yesterday. And you had to stay up late after the kids went to bed to get this thing done. I want to give you guys a moment to kind of collect your thoughts and share with us what you think and how this may or may not tie into the world we live in today. After I tell everybody about Omega XL, if you are struggling with whether it's back, knees, neck, or shoulder pain, unless it's an injury that requires medical treatment, which you should go and get, if it's one of the chronic variety of, of pains, though, the underlying cause is likely inflammation and you want to defeat that inflammation before it causes permanent damage. And, you know, those topical rubs, pain relievers, they help in the moment, but they don't attack the inflammation, at least not the way that Omega XL does. Backed by 35 years of clinical research, that's its speciality. It's a part of my daily regimen. I'd highly recommend it. And in fact, I've got a special offer for you to try it today. Uh, let's get you started with buy one bottle, get a second one for free today when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve or call 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. All right. Thoughts on how some of these points made about the Heaven's Gate hail bop cult may or may not have characteristics in what we see going on in America right now. Well, I have three thoughts. One, right at the beginning, it sets it up as, as one guy says, as fantastic as the end of this cult was, the really interesting story is how it got to this place. I that's agree. Funny. Oh, that's right. You watched the first episode. I watched the first yeah. episode. Uh, so, and he's absolutely right. And when I go on these radio stations talking about the book, that always comes up like, Todd, how, 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 how do we believe Dr. Fauci mm -hmm. when he's so many contradictions? How does it happen? And we ended talking about the chapter of the cult of Fauci. And I often bring up the fact that we are more educated as a society right now than we've ever been in the history of America. That there's the gateway of knowledge into understanding that because our founding was an agrarian, non-educated society. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have fallen for this nonsense. So secondly, there's just a hilarious moment about two thirds of the way through where they're kind of setting up with a heavy tone. And then they go to this female sociologist and she just goes, I think they were all on acid. And she starts cackling. And I just, I don't know what the point was, but it was hilarious. Thirdly, 
uh, I'm really interested where this goes. Uh, the notion of Aslan, because this might, this to me at the end of one, it was it was clearly against Christianity, but from a certain point of view. Now I may be wrong about that at the end, but there's a very beautiful elderly woman in this episode. She was stunning when she was young. They have pictures. She said she modeled and things like that. She's still beautiful, and she's in her seventies. But she talks about how leaving their families and she says well jesus said she said that you have mm-hmm. to understand that they didn't jesus actually said this so there's there's an understandable nature of doing something extreme in the name of faith i'm not sure yet if she was making a general comment or if that lesson was specifically tied to hail bob Cult. but i will say this there's an opening in hearts and minds and souls for a forfeit radicalism when the true radicalism of Jesus Christ is not preached in full. And God only knows that in Stephen Mines and Aaron's lifetime, it really hasn't been preached in full. If you do not get the real thing, you will go find a forfeit. And now, more than ever. Great example. Well, that's that's a great uh, point. I mean, just going through all of these points that you, that you sent us, Steve, educated and well-off folks, most prone to cults like this, I mean, asked and answered, um, felt at home in upper middle crust suburb, uh, upper crust suburbs. I mean, those first two points. How many signs have you seen in front of homes in the suburbs, guys? In this house, we believe. Yeah, dot, dot, dot. one of them was in my in my own neighborhood. I saw last year. Oh, I've, I've yeah. yeah, I've seen multiple t- signs. I uh, spent twenty years identifying and recruiting. How about forty years of just inculcating in the public school system? Mm-hmm. New AG borrowed from chariots of the gods. USO, UFOs seem salvationary. Um, guys, we can control the planet's climate. We can control a virus. Science. Mm. Science is our salvation. Mm -hmm. A higher form of technology, if you will. Uh, Subject matters experts belong to a Marxist-Leninist political cult. uh, Asked and answered. Isn't that essentially like every public college campus in America? Yep. Yeah. Purposely created a genderless group. Um, Hello. Rainbow (laughs) Jihad, anyone? Numerous social science studies have shown, despite our self-pride, we're programmed to belong and seek the approval of groups. Uh, Intersectionality, anybody? Preying on people in vulnerable circumstances. Either you are vulnerable or we will will make you so by the coercion of of government intervention. And then the hallmark of cults, which you also discuss in the in uh, the Branch Covidian chapter of the book, uh, separation of family, except except for the select few. I mean, you're sending those. I saw the first um, first few that you sent last night and then saw the others when I woke up this morning. And it's like, what, why did you spend the time watching this documentary? This is, this is life. I'm, I'm not criticizing. Sure. Just, this, is, this, is, this is what we look at every single day. Mm-hmm. It's a cult. Todd is absolutely right, though. Now, I, I'm not an expert, I don't think, on Latin American uh, culture, but good grief. They do preach a gospel down there. It's rife with liberation theology, but the church, the church, if you want to call it that, it's growing. So people will be at- attracted to radicalism, but they will be attracted to forfeits as well, as Todd was saying. That's a great point. The opposite of the Jonestown massacre, too, where they didn't know what was coming. They were being coerced yeah. into this. These folks wanted this end. They wanted it.
back with Hour 2 live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And also look for us and like us on Gab and Parlor. Look for Steve Dace there. If you're looking for clips of the program, you can find them at YouTube.com slash Steve Dace or Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And if you're a podcast listener, we're looking for you to please, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you use, but especially iTunes, because that's the biggest one. Uh, he'll leave us a five-star review on that podcast platform as well, because the more of those of you that do, the more it helps our show in some way. I, I don't know. I'm just told that. I don't can't verify it, but I do know it helps to soothe our fragile male egos, so at least do it for that reason, if no other. This part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. Did you see that video that Aaron had in the montage about an hour ago? Head of the American Federation of Teachers still can't guarantee that they're going to be pushing for all schools to be reopened next fall. Next fall, virus is in full retreat in America right now. Well, when you think about it, Dr. Fauci said he's not sure if we can return to normal till next Mother's Day. So Which is pretty much another full school year. Yeah, that's almost another full Todd, school year. Todd, birthing people's day. Thank yes, you. thank you. You know, I can think of a way to get around all of this. Okay? Just work with our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. Um, unlike public schools, FPA has perfected live online learning for more than a decade. They're built on Judeo-Christian values and a classical curriculum, which means critical thinking, mastery of subject matter, understanding of source material, teaching you how to think, not what to think, you know, the way that the generations that made this uh, an exceptional country once, the way they were taught. That's how they teach you, not with leftist propaganda at Freedom Project Academy. I've seen this firsthand. I know the folks personally behind uh, who were behind starting FPA. My own son, Noah, attended FPA for three years. So I've seen up close and personal how good it is and what it can do. And you want to get, at the very least, get a free information packet from them today when you go to freedomforschool.com. Again, at least get the information packet for free. It doesn't cost you anything. Take a look at it. See if it works for you and your family. Freedomforschool.com. Again, that is freedomforschool.com. At the bottom of the hour, former U.S. Senator Jim DeMint will be joining us. He'll be telling us about his new book and also get his take on what's going on at the moment. But it's time for Fake News or Not. And part of Fake News or Not, we are doing a series on our new book, Faucian Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. And this week, we're taking a look at the notion of trusting the experts. Yes, but which ones? I've got eight of these babies for you. I dare you to get through all of them. Wow. Okay. All right. Fake news or not, Steve. Fauci may have been wrong, but experts from Yale, Oxford, Stanford, and Carnegie Mellon all disagreed with one another as well about how to best confront the virus. Uh, I would say that's fake news. They disagreed with Fauci, but, but not with one another. Correct. They disagreed with... You know, we've wondered... Because we keep pointing out fake science. We're told to follow the science and all these other contexts like gender bending and everything else. And we wonder, does anybody follow science anymore? If you want to know what it looks like when a country really becomes a a country of technocrats, 
when they when they when they take materialism to its fullest conclusion meaning we're not just saying follow the science when we really mean follow the political science meaning here's a ruse follow this so that this now when you do so that weakens your resolve on your previous belief system that prevented us from ruling over you and our intent is to not follow science either. I mean, it's like Animal Farm. They look from man to pig and pig to man and back to pig again, and they couldn't tell which was which, right? No, what does it look like when you like really follow science? When like science really is like your God? Look at Sweden. Not just what, they're, what they've done on this virus, but I mean, it's Aaron, you had this in your montage. I read this story yesterday. Sweden's version of the Mayo Clinic is, is stopping doing puberty blockers for children as a way of treating gender dysphoria. Now, do you think, do you think that the country that gave us Greta Thunberg, do you think that they made that decision because they got up, the, the staff over there at the hospital got up and said, guys, uh, men can become women, women can be, this is just not, think that's why they did it? No, they didn't do it for that reason. Because if they were looking at that reasoning, then they wouldn't be the country they are on every other front, right? Right. No, they got up and just looked at the results. Human beings are just results, not made in the image of God. And they realized this treatment, uh, what it does for the psychosis of gender dysphoria, it's bad. So stop doing it. No other reason other than that. They just did the technocratic math. That's a, that's a bad idea. Don't. And, and we need those children are the future workers, taxpayers. They're going to subsidize our great experiment here in science technocraticism. We, we can't be affording to um, disrupt and destroy our supply chain of future workers, plebes, uh, and consumers and taxpayers. So stop giving them treatments that ruin them as adults when we need them to be fully functioning, highly uh, achievable, and therefore highly taxable citizens, right? It's chillingly impersonal, but it does have to have, it seems to have more fail-safes than whatever the heck we're yes, doing here. Yes, yes, yeah. They just really believe this stuff over there in Sweden. Like, this is it. They're in. Like, they're going to take it to its most logical conclusion. Most of the rest of the world that buys into this doesn't buy into science. They buy into things that give them power over you. So they don't really follow science. And that's what went on here. Is you've mentioned experts from numerous high-ranking just four in this case and there's far more but there's far more but numerous high-ranking uh centers of academia and higher learning not just in this country but in the world but because they wouldn't they they would not align with one particular narrative they were memory hold and i've used this example before i'll use it again a doctor comes to you and says i have to remove an appendage like an arm or a leg and if I don't, your body will die. That might be true, right? Is that an ideal treatment? No. Is it preferable to death? Yes. Probably. But is it something, though, that adds to your quality of life? Nope. No. So you're to probably do what before you go ahead and lop that appendage off? What second do you do? opinion. You're to get a second opinion. I mean, you're going to make sure if, I, if, if, if the cure is that bad, I want to make sure it requires that level of action. We never got a second opinion. You did, if you, you did on shows like this. We told you about these people for the last year. Earlier today, the New York Times ran a story talking about the CDC is lying about outdoor transmission. That less than 1% of cases 
are from outdoor transmission. Actually, it's, they're not even telling you the truth at the New York Times, guys. I, I don't know of a single documented case in, ever of coronavirus being uh, transmitted in an outdoor event. That we went contact tracing, everything. Folks, Super Bowls, events. How many more of these are we going to have? Texas Rangers opening day, and we trace it for a couple weeks. No spike in the epidemiological curve. Okay? How come when your parents got older and struggled to breathe, where did we send them? Where did we tell them to move? Arizona, Florida, down south, right? Yeah. Outdoor climates. Respiratory viruses don't like outdoor warm climates, right? Haven't we known this for like 150 years? Yeah. And it's so bad now that even the New York Times is saying CDC's lying about this. They literally said that. They're lying to you. Did the New York Times just find this out today? No. I think they probably knew this. Who do you think probably found out first? COVID-19 isn't spread outdoors. The Steve Day Show or the budgeted staff covering COVID-19 and coronavirus issues at the illustrious New York Times. Who do you think probably found this out first? Oh, us for sure. <laughs> I can't. I don't, I, I don't think Todd is being facetious because I, I agree with that. Okay. I am being facetious. <laughs> I, I think they've known about it. Um, first of all, several of these people follow people like me on Twitter. They've been watching, even if, even if that's true, have they been watching us tweet stuff like this for a year? The New York Times sent a feature reporter out here a few years ago to follow me around for a week and do a cover story on me. They are not unaware of who Steve, Steve Dace is. Several of their reporters follow me on Twitter. They've been watching me tweet this data out for a year. They know. They've known. Just first we had to get rid of Orange Man bad. And now that we're into mid-May, it's almost summer. I want my damn life back. This needs to end. That's what, that's what, that, that's what that story is. New York Times staff wants to get back. The, both the Mets and Yankees are going to be good this year. They want to get back to a ball game. They're tired of this. So you've been denied these second opinion experts all along, like what you just cited, Todd. But if you've been listening to the show all along, you know that because we've been talking about them. Fake news or not, Steve, Fauci was previously known for quarantining Africa during the Ebola epidemic. <laughs> this is one of the favorite scoops we had. Much of this book is a compilation of, if you're a faithful listener, watcher of the program, it's a compilation. You know, we just, we, we took Hey Jude and Revolution and, um, and uh, Let It Be and Get Back. We put them all on one album, basically. That's what most of this of this book is but you know sometimes you got to put at least a couple of original songs on there right what you just mentioned is one of them so back in 2000 I think it was a 2014 i believe when ebola was raging in africa we had a situation where both republican and democratic governors were not permitting health officials from their state to either go there to treat it or return home without a lengthy quarantine period if they left, which would disincentivize people to go and help. A certain nation-leading infectious disease expert did a media tour at this time, talking about how quarantining Africa away... Now, keep in mind, 
I, I think I did the math in the book. Do you have there with you with, with the difference in case fatality rate for for? Um, oh, Ebola was like fifty percent. Yeah, compared to COVID, but I mean, we look at the percentage increase. It's something like five thousand percent higher, or something. Is the is the it's in the thousands of percentage points? How much more deadly uh, Ebola is to COVID nineteen? But a certain national leading infectious disease expert did a media tour at that time in 2014 saying there was no need to quarantine Africa. We have plenty of safe measures. People won't bring the virus back here. We don't have to stop health officials. It's not responsible to do that. It's not fair to the people of Africa to do that. So hopeful and optimistic. Yeah. Could you guys guess what his name was? Ron DeSantis. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Fauci. Yes. So no quarantines. No quarantines for fear of Ebola, which is basically a, a, a flip of a coin death sentence if you get it. And that's just for you. That's not even counting the R spread of who else you would give it to. Has a 50% case fatality rate. No quarantines for that. But we quarantine the healthy under the presumption of sickness and infection for COVID-19 which couldn't hold Ebola virus's jockstrap. Make sense of that. Fake news or not, Steve? The medical journal The Lancet gave Fauci cover when it confirmed his opinion on the worthlessness of hydroxychloroquine. Yes, but this you're talking about the study that they had to later on retract. Yes. yes. So this is one where it's... It's both. It's fake, de- depending on a certain Yeah, the study is fake news, but they did do this. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they, so, um, and I think they came out with a study about this time last year. It was in May or June of last year, I recall. And it was the largest group study of the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine as a treatment against COVID-19 that had ever been done. Ever been done. And just for the record, again, I'm, I've never taken some definitive statement that hydroxychloroquine absolutely works against COVID-19. There's contrary data out there. In my own personal life, I know people who have taken it and it helped them immensely. I know someone right now, a good friend of mine, who has been who took it. And he's on day 13 of being bedridden with COVID. Okay? But that's not the point of this. The point is that a massive study came out from the Lancet. That's uh, Bill Gates funded over in the UK, I recall, right? Uh, and it, it said hydroxychloroquine is a complete scam. And this was the study that gave Anthony Fauci cover for disagreeing with President Trump about issuing it as an early onset prophylactics. Keep your prophylaxis. Remember what the claim with hydroxychloroquine is. If you have tested positive, it was to take it right away to mitigate against the virus developing severe symptoms in you it's not to stop you from getting it or to cure you it's to mitigate against severe symptoms why was that key what was the original rationale for the lockdowns that's why we had to build all the ventilators we're now putting in landfills right hospitals were going to be overrun yes that's why trump was promoting hydroxychloroquine because didier rialt one of the leading virologists in the world had seen some promising early data with it as a prophylaxis trump throws the, and and so the world was like hey this is great news and then like march 13th or something trump mentions it at the white house and now suddenly it, you might as well call this thing uh meth 
All right. It's the worst thing ever. Fauci says it's dangerous. Don't take it. The Lancet then comes out about a month after this with a massive study, which they ended up having to retract because the whole thing is complete garbage. So the, the story's fake news, but then it's also not, as you said. Now, the name I'm about to mention is not mentioned in the book, but it's an extension of the answer just Steve gave. And I, I think it's important to give Steve a chance to address it. Fake news or not, Steve, the press's treatment of Dr. Stella Emanuel and her take on hydroxychloroquine is one of the greatest examples of true racism and sexism we've seen this year. This is the this is the woman they basically accused of being a, a, a witch doctor yes. or things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, in any other setting we would say that her African roots uh, harken back to a superior culture to Western civilization. That, that's what most of these exact same people yeah. would do. And, but she wasn't out there on the stage alone. She was out there in front yes, of the Capitol. They, they singled yes. out the black woman yes. who was from Africa because she was a backwoods wh- wh- yes. whatever. Yeah. I mean, they, they basically Tim Scotted her. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly what they did. So you're 100% right about that. All right. We're halfway through. You might do this, Steve Dace. You might. All right. Uh, fake news or not, experts require less, not more accountability. That's why they're experts. History makes this obvious. <laughs> nice. So I think it's James says in the New Testament that teachers are given double honor, but twice the accountability, right? Because if they because they can lead other people astray more easily, correct? Um, that applies here with experts. I, I mean... I tweeted this out in response to looking at Japan's COVID data yesterday. We have been told multiple times by experts in our media. Japan is an, is an example of masks being an effective tool against COVID-19. And Japan's cases continue to explode as we speak. Keep in mind, they would have also had much more built-in crossover immunity to a coronavirus in that part of the world than the rest of us would be. They're dealing with this stuff over there all the time in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. So are, they're, are, they're, they are demonstrably thinner and less obese as a nation, right? Yes. Demonstrably healthier. They have much more crossover immunity with other coronaviruses because of past exposures. So they have two huge advantages over us. So where is it also easier to isolate yourself? Japan, an island nation, or um, uh, Des Moines, Iowa? You see where I'm getting at? Yes. Okay. So they have three major advantages over us. Geographically, epidemiologically, with their past exposure to coronaviruses, and then the country's health trajectory is far less obese than our own. And yet they're drowning in cases as we speak. And they've been wearing masks the entire time. At some point, you would think the experts that made the claims that these work would be held accountable. At some point, you believe they would be shamed. CNN, I, I didn't even have time to address this last week. CNN had a, an expert on, I watched this clip on my Twitter feed last week, claiming that half of the people they're seeing die from COVID-19 are between the ages of 18 and 34. That's just a a straight up lie, guys. It's just a straight up lie. Yet there's never any accountability for these people whatsoever. In fact, it seems in many cases 
the wronger, that's a word, I made it up now, the wronger they are, that it seems to elevate them all the more, in fact. That there's a market and a desire for pushing this level of dishonesty. I think you're describing a cult. Yes. I, I made this point about a buddy of mine who sent me some stats about Sweden yesterday. And how Sweden has underperformed its um, Scandinavian neighbors on coronavirus, which is true. But the only reason that we would only specifically assess Sweden up against its other Scandinavian neighbors is if we are agreeing that the virus spreads longitudinally and therefore it kind of goes where it goes and it seasonally arrives where it's going to arrive and there's not much we can do about it. If we're going to admit that, which I believe is true, because that's what the data shows, if we're going to admit that, then I'm totally fine saying Sweden failed up against Denmark and Finland and Norway. But are we doing that? No, never. No, our whole premise starts with we can deny nature. We can deny longitudinal seasonal spread. We do all these lockdowns. That our premise is we ma- we are masters over nature. That's the premise that we can we can we can create a zero COVID environment. Furthermore, this comp- this comparison also doesn't note Norway does not mask. Norway was actually the first country to come up come out with a critical study of mask wearing. These same people who do this also say New York is still great, but yes. Ron DeSantis is killing everybody. Yes. This isn't this isn't a study. It's a it's a total gaslight. It, it it's its premise is a repudiation of its own, number one. And then number two doesn't add you the context that Norway doesn't mask either. So Norway doesn't mask and did a lockdown and has a better de- death rate than Sweden that didn't lock down. And doesn't mask. So from that, of course, we can only conclude, wear a damn mask. That's insane. It's just, it's gaslighting or insane or insane gaslighting. You choose. All right, three more. We got to get through them. Fake news or not, Steve. Dr. Atlas disagreed with Fauci a lot, but he agreed with him that testing asymptomatic people of average workforce age and students in schools was really important. Uh, That's fake news. There, there really is no reason anybody ever, maybe early on, if you were in close contact with somebody, and we, again, we don't know, March, April, and May of last year, maybe, but certainly over the last six months or so, there is no reason for anybody who, unless you work for a company or something and you sign on to this, right, that's part of your arrangement, you're in contract as a manager of a company, one of your employees says positive, you have agreed under your contract, that's a separate issue. I'm talking holistically as a policy, there is no point to anybody asymptomatically getting tested. I think I told you guys this story last fall, at least I told, these, told it to the two of you. I, I went on a business trip. I got exposed to somebody very quickly who ended up testing positive while I was there. They called me up and said, hey, you should go get tested. I said, I'm not going to do that because I don't have any symptoms. If I develop symptoms, I'll go get tested right away. So, I mean, I had somebody, uh, somebody I know recently who just got sick again. They thought they were over it, and then all their symptoms came back. What do, you, what do you think I told them to do when they got sick again? When they when they thought it went away and the symptoms all came back, what do you think I told them to do? Maybe think about getting. Tested. I told them you should you need to go get tested, and they ended up testing positive. So there's no point to anybody who's asymptomatic getting tested. If you're symptomatic, I would suggest you should get tested. 
All right, two more. I think we can do it. Fake news or not. The document known as the Great Barrington Declaration, written by 44 global health experts, wasn't brave or helpful because it was too late to the game after just being released last month. No, this thing's been out since well past October. This is the crucial point. Yeah, so this thing's been out for like six, seven months. So, um, and it's funny now. Some of the claims they make about the lack of outdoor asymptomatic spread, that's why allow the kids back to play sports without masks and things of that yeah. nature that they were attacked and getting banned well, from social media for last fall. Now we got the New York Times writing about it here today. Well, here's yeah. the important point about all this. And it, it was written in October. What hadn't happened in October when it said, go live your normal lives unless you are. Oh, we didn't have a vaccination we program. Yet. We didn't. In even, fact, people were still claiming in October we weren't going to have one exactly. anytime soon. Yet forty four, and then we, and then, and then we were, and then you had vice presidential candidates saying we are, we won't have one. But then Kamala Harris said, "But if we did this quickly, I wouldn't take it because I don't trust Donald Trump's vaccines." Yeah. And lastly, and I wrote this one this morning before the news broke, so I'm over the target. Fake news or not, Steve? Rand Paul is a window into Fauci's soul. Uh, right now, he's a window into mine. I'll say that. Um, I think that I, I, I didn't bring this up last week because so much has gone down. It's hard for me to highlight everything I see. But when Fauci came out with, uh, you know, just maybe we'll get back to you'll have some mostly normal by next Mother's Day. So essentially another full year of this. Rand Paul's longtime top aide, Doug Stafford. Tweeted out. To Fauci in response. I can't say this in stronger terms other than go F yourself. I think that gives you a little window into the soul of what they're thinking over there in Rand Paul world about Anthony Fauci. And we have, we've not talked about what happened with him and um, him and with Fauci and Paul in the Senate today because this was going on right as we were going on the air and we haven't a chance to right. watch it or break it down. I'm sure it'll come up on tomorrow's show. But I, I'd think that uh, in Rand Paul world, they're beyond their last nerve. And I, I suspect you're going to see them. Uh, it, it's it's it, politically speaking, of course, it's, it's time for some red rum. I think they've they've about ha- they, they've beyond had enough now. And I think we've now you're now you're in a a Venn diagram of a harmonic convergence of, of two things very important to, to Rand Paul. One, uh, his notions, his, his heightened um, view of individual autonomy as a conservatarian, number one. And then number two, his medical background. And then number three, the fact he's already had this. Okay. So I think you put those three things together and I think today was not... Um, was not a one-off or an outlier. I suspect this is a a launch of what's going to be a consistent, especially if you look at Rand's comments after the fact. He's he's claiming Fauci outright lied to him today in the Senate and what he is saying after the fact. So I suspect that uh, very soon, if not already, Anthony Fauci is is, going to be somewhere in the bowels of his NIH office, like Kirk, when he thought that he'd been stranded forever on the Genesis planet. Rand, Rand. I think Rand Paul 
is uh, is about to uh, make uh, make Anthony Fauci wish that Ron Paul had worn a condom that night. That's what I think. Amen. Aaron, your thoughts. Man, I had a fake news or not. Maybe you can actually, this will be fun. You have about 30 seconds to answer this. Okay. Fake news or not. Without the 44 or whatever, 40 some odd scientists that signed the Barrington Declaration, the Great Barrington Declaration, all of the other uh, leading scientists and epidemiologists who were skeptical of the COVID-19 government response, without all of those, fake news or not, the last year and two months would have been fundamentally different. No, I think the policies would have been the same. Our show would have been different. The effectiveness of the pushback, I think, would be much later, okay? Because uh, this all would have originally been, these are a bunch of reactionary right-wingers. We would have been dismissed based on that. So even though they ignored all those second opinion experts we've cited on the show all along, they at the same time provided people like us a credibility to make these arguments that gave us uh, rocket fuel to get into this fight with some credibility. Makes sense. Yeah. We'll come back. Former U.S. Senator Jim Demint's going to join us. He's got a new book out. We'll discuss that as well as his thoughts on current events in a moment. Stay tuned. Attempting to sell your home or I did this the last time I got on the real estate market, uh, selling the one I was in to buy the one we're in now. Boy, that can be really stressful. Doing it even in the best of economic times, you know, when we don't have gas lines like it's 1978, for example, doing it even in the best of times can be difficult, but especially in these unprecedented times times. Bing. Thank you. Got that in again today. Uh, you want to make sure that you go in with an agent that not only has a proven, fully vetted track record of success, but will come in and take charge of the situation while also recognizing who's really in charge, which is you. Where would such an agent be found? Well, the good news is the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. A company started by Glenn Beck, some of his associates who got tired of Real estate agents who talked a good game and then did not deliver what they promised. And then they found out, you know what, here in this vast audience, there's actually a lot of really good real estate agents. So out of that outreach of just connecting agents in this audience with fellow audience members around the country looking for a good one, out of that grassroots outreach came realestateagentsitrust.com. So just about anywhere you want to escape, I'm sorry, I mean move to. Uh, we can probably help you at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. The name of the book, Satan's Dare. It's author, former U.S. Senator and president of the Heritage Foundation, U.S. Senator Jim DeMint is here with us. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you with us on Blaze TV. How are you? Steve, I'm doing great, and I appreciate your endorsement of the book. Uh, your quote has been used extensively already, so grateful for you, and thanks for the chance to talk about it. You bet, man. I, I thought that the premise of the book, I'm always, I'm always fascinated when we look for unique ways to tell a tale as old as time, right? And, and I like yeah. the fact that you went for that approach with Satan's Dare. So without spoiling everything, kind of give our audience a tease. What is the unique approach that you went with here? 
Well, first of all, Steve, the book's not political at all, but it, it has huge implications to American politics because everything we believe, not only in America, but Western civilization, is based on Judeo-Christian values. And I believe America is declining because the Christian church is declining. But the premise of Satan's Dare is getting at answering the question of, of why God created a world so full of suffering and tragedy and death. Death. And Satan's dare is based on the first chapter of Job, where Satan dares God. If you don't bless Steve or Jim, uh, if you don't bless them, uh, they will they will curse you and worship me. And so it's this whole idea of knowing good and evil uh, that. When we choose God, when we pray, when we praise, when we come together as believers and uh, obey, uh, we defeat Satan. And the implications there, if you go through the book, you will see real-life characters living out um, what happens, what are the questions they ask, what are the answers they come up with when you start asking, why do we have to go through this mess here in this physical world? I like the fact that you used real life characters to tell this story. I, I think one of the things that is causing the church to decline and in influence, Jim, as you just said, is I think in many respects we have put forth this notion that, or at least the culture believes that we have, that you have to attain a certain status of knowledge or pi piety or holiness in order to seek and connect with God. That, and, and, and really, it's the other way around. It's, it's that connection that increases us in knowledge, holiness, piety, meaning that there's, there is never, never anything we can do on our own to actually meet God's standard of approval. It's exactly. when we recognize that, that he changes us from the inside out, changes what we see, what we seek. And so one of the main characters in your book um, he's largely defending the faith basically on intellectual grounds mm -hmm. and, and is successful at doing so until it hits home with a personal tragedy. And now he's got to do this math in his own life. And that's kind of where the rubber meets the road for a lot of people, right? It, it really, and that's the crux of the book, is you have two characters who suffer great tragedy. One becomes the world's most famous atheist. The other, he argues with God, he complains, but because of a loving wife and loving friends, that he, he keeps hold of his faith. But these two end up in a debate where people looking in can see how Christians and the Bible can be aligned with science. Not that science is always true, but these characters are looking at what does the Bible really say? Can it be aligned with science? When in effect, science has proved that life in this physical world is way too complicated to have happened by accident. So I think Christians will have their faith confirmed, but any honest skeptic who reads the book will have to give this a second thought. Uh, but the church now, Steve, is not even defending the basics that there is a God, that God created this world, the Bible it's true and that Jesus is a way to salvation one of my great frustrations Jim as a daily cultural commentator I got into this originally you know we have this sign over me you know truth be told here truth. I, I got into yeah. this to contend for the truth and 
it seems as if more and more we just can't be bothered by the truth. <laughs> we just memory hold everything. I mean, a Nation of Islam guy kills a cop, memory hold like it never happened. A right. white male of all things. So we're, every time there's a gun tragedy, we have to politicize it, right? A white yeah. male turns a hotel room in the most surveilled city in America, Las Vegas, into a sniper's nest. Opens yeah. fire, commits the worst mass shooting in American history, memory hold. We don't care what his motivations are, why it happened, how it happened. It's like it never happened. We, yeah. it's just, we just memory hold things. The truth just seems like it's been chloroformed. And yeah. that's so frustrating to me. And, and that's what I was attracted to about, the, about your book most of all. There's a reckoning. I just yeah. want the debate. I'm pretty confident if we let the lion out of its cage, the lion will defend itself just fine. We can't even often get to actual reckonings and debates in our culture anymore, Jim. Well, well it's a great point. I think a, a lot of biblical scholars won't like this book at all because the characters ask questions and come up with theories that are not traditional. I've found that asking questions and searching confirms my faith, even when I can't get answers, because you can look at, I mean, truth in, in the Bible of whether there's six-day creation or six periods a lot of that's fun to look at, but it really doesn't matter. What we need to understand is that God created this earth, and science will prove it if we'll look at it. But you, Steve, you're right. Truth is not relevant today. Whether it's in cultural uh, commentation, uh, commentators, or in politics, but truth leads to freedom, and freedom is seeking um, virtue. Uh, it's uh, also seeking truth itself. And if this disappears from the foundations, like Psalm 11 says, that um, if if the foundations are destroyed, right. yeah. what, what what will the righteous do? Um, and that's what we're doing in America. We're, we're treating the symptoms. Why? their violence? Why is uh, their racism or whatever we're trying to create here? These are symptoms and we just need to realize, particularly as believers, that the foundations are being destroyed and we need to address those. But like you said, not just with teaching theology, but let's have a real debate about what's true. What does the Bible say? What does science say? What does the culture say? Let's have an honest debate. But that that's not happening today. And I think if people read this book, they will get the confidence to at least go out and have the debate and answer the questions. So you spent a good amount of time in Washington, D.C., in the, in the Senate. So you're used to zero truth environments. Um, <laughs> I, you know, all my life I've heard this is the most important election of our lifetimes. Right. Right. And. You know, when I was younger, it's funny, I'm more conservative now. I'm less partisan than I was when I was younger. Um, when I was younger, though, I mean, I, I mean, I, I really thought the world would end as we've known it um, if Bill Clinton won and George H.W. Bush did not. And yet I look back on those years and there were things I disagreed with Bill Clinton on, obviously. But frankly, my life wasn't much different from him being president or George H.W. Bush. I, I remember being in my living room on my knees as a baby Christian praying that God will allow George W. Bush to win Ohio and not John Kerry because that could be the end of America. But frankly, I, I, you know, a few things were different, but for me living in Iowa, things weren't much different. The eight years George W. Bush was president compared to Barack Obama. Gas was, a, was more, but really that was about it. Yeah. So this, I bring that up to say, I have had numerous frustrations with Donald Trump's personality over the last few years. But man, I, I mean, I'm looking at gas lines now. 
So we got gas lines. We have no border. We were cutting peace deals with Saudis and, 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 and Israelis a year ago. Now Israel is, is, a, is a war front. I mean, on every single front, energy policy, border policy, crime, everything. I mean, the difference of where the country was with Trump as president pre-COVID compared to just what has transpired in a hundred, barely a hundred days of Joe Biden. That is a hell of a lot different, Jim, than life transpired differently in the time, the transitions between Bushes and Clintons and Clintons and Bushes and Bushes and Obamas. I mean, this is, things are dramatically different in this country right now already. Well, it's a perfect setup here because I came to the House after the 98 elections. If we could work with Democrats then, we, we were arguing about uh, how much the government should spend, uh, how much the government should tax. But now it's different completely, Steve. It's, we can't even agree on what is reality, what, what is truth, mm-hmm. uh, basic biology. I mean, and, and in fact, the facts don't matter. And like you said, we should be able to have a debate. We cannot. We, we can't have a debate now about the basics. And that's because this idea of absolute truth is disappearing from our culture and even from a lot of the Christian church. And if you don't begin with the concept of truth, of what is real, um, then you really can't solve these other problems. Because if you say America is systemically racist, it, there's no facts to prove that. Right. In fact, I've lived long enough to know that the only systemic racism left in America is in the Democratic Party. Uh, and certainly they're racist around, but just as Tim Scott was saying, our country's not racist. In fact, we were on a trajectory for years of improving until, in fact, the left ac- accelerated uh, their identity politics and the victimization. Uh, but that's what's so frustrating today. I think it has taken a turn. Like you said, I've been concerned when Clinton was elected, when Obama was elected, and the second term of Bush. <laughs> and But now it's just different. The, the level of spending, the level of debt, what we're doing to our currency. Like, uh, I was crushed after we lost those elections. But a year yeah. or two in the new administration, my life really wasn't that much different, okay? Life in America is dramatically different right now than it yeah. was pre-COVID with, with Trump as president compared to, set even COVID aside, what the Biden administration is doing on every other front, life in America is dramatically different right now, Jim, more than I've ever it's, seen as fa- people- this fast. It, I mean, there, there, there used to be a, a pervasive morality in a sense that a lot of us disobeyed that, but we knew where home was. Mm-hmm. Now, the pervasive morality is the complete opposite. In effect, if you're trying to live a good and, and moral life, you're likely to be accused of hate or whatever. Uh, so particularly, uh, this book is addressed primarily to Christians, what we call the body of Christ. We, we need to come home. We need to have confidence in what we believe. We need to see this country as a gift God has given us that we're stewards over. But this all begins with understanding the truth in the Bible and being able to defend the idea that there is absolute truth in this world. There is real law. All of these things emanate from the Bible. If we turn away from that, the foundations are lost. Former U.S. Senator Jim DeMint, the new book is Satan's Dare, uh, was uh, proud to endorse it. It's a, it's a fascinating way to contemporize and bring home 
a lot of the meta philosophical debates we're having. And uh, Senator, also thank you for your endorsement of Fauci and Bargain as well. It was a pleasure to have you with us on the show today. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for what you do. Thank you. Same to you. Gentlemen, any thoughts on that? Well, that last part there, we have to have confidence in what we believe. He's right. But first, we need to say, uh, it's time to ask yourself, Dr. Jones, what do what you, do you believe? believe? Yeah. yeah. And when it comes to the excommunications, we'll continue until morale improves. We're all over the place in terms of the big tent of Christianity. And so there's no wonder we have no confidence. I mean, just imagine you and I were talking about this during the break. Imagine you tuned into this show for a year and watched us push back on one of the very first to push back on what seemed like a lead pipe lock case. Everybody is in alignment that this is the, and we're like, nah, we're like Columbo. Hey, one more thing, right? right? Okay. Um, and imagine you, you, you went on that journey with us for a year, Yeah. bought this book, yeah. shared it with people. And then came back last week. And when a bearded lady appeared on the Sean Hannity show, you thought after being on this journey with us for a year, you thought, wow, we should make that person the, the, the governor of the largest state in the union. And then since you made that decision, he has come out and said, he doesn't know what a border is. He doesn't know what a citizen is. Today he's saying we're in a pro, we're in a post-Trump era. The 2020 election was on the up and up and not stolen. So you went on this journey with us of pushing back against the zeitgeist for a year and then and then you fell for a banana in your tailpipe after that? Yeah. After that. Does that kind of go along with what you're talking about here? What do you really believe? Yeah, and because we don't know, we're dealing that's why we're dealing with an invincible level of ignorance. Aaron, what do you think? So I found his comments about uh, the pervasive morality, he, as he described it, the pervasive morality that we all shared in America, that we disobeyed, knowingly disobeyed, but we knew where home was, in his words. Um, we live in a time now where, when it comes to the spirit of the age, we're not a guest in their home. They, they, took, our, they took the home from us, and we're not a guest in their home anymore. It's a completely and they've they've completely redone everything. They've completely renovated it or at least are in the process of doing so. I think that in terms of pointing out where we are as a people, the two countries, the two Americas, I think that's a pretty a pretty um, a decent observation there that what's different between now and honestly, maybe when I was born, but definitely uh, at least a decade before I was born in the 80s. What's the difference between the 80s and now is that we had radically different ideas in the 80s and to some degree in the 90s. Radically different ideas. Maybe hated each other's guts, but there were red lines that we didn't cross. Right. There were Rubicons that we didn't cross. We are way, we're, we're not even over the we're Rubicon. We're over the rainbow. We're over the rainbow. Yeah. So that's an interesting observation. Yeah, that's a great point, man. All right, we're going to stick around and talk about Tucker Carlson's monologue last night on uh, Fauci and the Wuhan lab. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.